Hello and welcome to another episode of Get Out A Wrap. Um, today, in response to a lot of requests actually to cover this subject, I've been very lucky to be joined by Matt Burke, who is Head of Service Delivery at Sensei, a seminal company in home working in contact centres in the UK. And prior to, Matt's been at Sensei for five years and prior to that has been at Capita and Serco. Matt, thanks very much for having me. Thank you very much for, uh, for having me. I really appreciate it. No worries. Great. So like I say, a lot of people have been, um, when I asked about subjects for doing the podcast, homeworking came up a lot and it's certainly something I'm, I'm very interested in. And I, was, I saw on Contact Babel survey that um, 49% of the people that they surveyed were at least considering or already using homeworking in UK uh, contact centres. And that I think that number kind of indicates just people are starting to look at that. So in the sort of five years that you've been involved heavily in this world, what have you seen that kind of evolve in the same way? Yeah, definitely. So I think there's more and more interest around homeworking, absolutely, and especially in the last five years from my personal experience. I think many of the barriers or challenges that put people off originally with homeworking can now be broken down, you know, thanks to technology as a main enabler for that. Um, and now we see it with huge insurance companies, healthcare providers, you know, big blue chip organisations that understand the benefits of what homeworking can bring to their organisation um, and are willing to explore it. Did you find then that um, maybe earlier on, dependent on the industry that people might have been in or their contact centre was involved in, that they felt that they were precluded from do from looking at homeworking. Yeah, I think I think there's a I think there's thinking in the industry that because you might deal with a very complex offering or a service or it might be regulated or whatever it means that because you can't see those individuals, therefore you can't manage them, and therefore it's a risk to have these people working for your business, you know, in their own homes. Um, we can remove those barriers, and those barriers can be removed through technology and everything else. But actually, what is really key with those complex types of service is that you do need to recruit the quality individuals to deliver that. And therefore, by opening up the whole of the UK and working virtually across the UK, you can, you can highlight and cherry pick those top individuals to deliver the best possible service. So if you think about now, and again, I don't know if it, uh, this number, um, again, from Contact Babel is about 100,000 people right now in the UK are home workers, working for contact centres, delivering multitudes of services to multitudes of customers. What, um, if people are out there listening now and they're thinking, this could be something we want to do, in essence, what is home working? How does, it, how does it get set up? What do you do? How do you approach something like this? Yeah, sure. I, can, I only talk for, for, for Sonse in, in, this, in, this, uh, in this instance, but in terms of home working for us is, we provide jobs um, for people that potentially can't access jobs. So we, we deliberately target areas or geographic locations where there is no work. So we're bringing opportunities to people. Um, in terms of how that works is very much like in the contact centre, agents will log in via a Citrix, um, via a secure network and everything else to access the applications. And from there, they'll take calls directly for, for, the, uh, for their clients. Um, and then through support and management, the whole thing is, op is, is virtual as an operation. So from the moment that uh, an agent would join the organisation, 
through recruitment, training and onboarding, all of that is done virtually. They'll never actually meet anyone face to face. So everything um, in terms of web uh, webcam interviews, um, psychometric testing, and then training is delivered in a virtual environment through webcam, through polls, through surveys, through virtual whiteboards, um, and all that side of things. It's, it's to get them up to speed in terms of quality. I can imagine then for you guys, probably you're constantly going over hurdles when you're talking to people about trusting in something where you're saying exactly like that, the process is going to be virtual. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think the three main barriers um, that we come up against or, or can be a part of, of home working, one is the complexity in terms of understanding how that works from a technology perspective, um, from an exposure perspective. The next is investment. It's a risk. You know, you have to, you, the, the hardest thing with home working, I think, is taking the first step to start home working. Once you start that, then it's about evolution and how do you tighten things up? How do you get things solid? Um, but there's a lot of investment in time, money, um, and also, I suppose, risk and exposure to, to the business. And then thirdly is integration with your existing business. Mm. You know, what you don't want to do is, HR-wise, you know, put up other people's backs up in the contact centre. Contact centre has a place. Absolutely it does. And people are in there and they're performing extremely well. What you don't want to do is move your best performers out of a contact centre to work from home because mm. they're thriving and working really well because they're in the contact centre. It's, it's a very different dynamic to working mm. from home, but it's not then excluding people that thrive working from a home environment. Mm. I was fascinated as well by something you said, and I, haven't even, I hadn't even considered this before, but you can actually target then groups of people who might not get the type of opportunity and the type of work because of where they live geographically, maybe their personal circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. What kind of things? There's, there's like, and, and this to me is one of, the, one of the key areas about homeworking is it's inclusive. You, you, no one's excluded from homeworking because everyone has a home and everyone mm. can work from home. So we have a huge disabled community that might struggle to get into contact centres. Um, we have rural areas, you know, highlands, islands, mm. remote areas. Um, and they could be, well, fantastic at what, you know. Absolutely. And you, and you find, you know, a, a lot of experience, um, experienced individuals move out to rural areas, mm. you know, as part of, you know, early retirement or whatever it might be. And go, actually, I, I do want to, to work from home and do, do something here yeah. and there. You know, contact centre is a great, a great way to do that. It's a switch on, switch off. You know, when you're supposed to be working, you can do your work and then you can carry on with your life. And it's about finding that work-life balance. You know, the other areas with homeworking is the huge benefit from a people perspective is there's no commute, mm. as you'd expect. You know, mm. traffic on the stairs and everyone jokes yeah. about that sort of stuff. And, yeah. There's been I, quite a few posts on LinkedIn about people saying, surely in this day and age, why am I commuting? I think the average is like an hour and a half in the UK. Yeah. Why am I commuting an hour and a half? Exactly. Uh, you know, and it's generated quite a lot of debate. Oh, it's, un- it's unbelievable. What, what a waste of time, potentially. Mm. You know, no one wants to be stuck on a train. And you can't mm. even get a seat or anything like that. So by by removing that barrier, people are much more motivated, potentially even to work a bit longer because they're at mm. home, they're comfortable, you can do what they want. And then from a flexibility perspective, you know, with other commitments and work-life balance is becoming more and more of a, you know, mainstream topic. Mm. You know, people work moving to four-day weeks and all this other stuff. Well, removing a commute, it frees you up to, you know, drop the kids at school if you wanted yeah. to, pick them up from, you know, whatever it might be. You might be a carer. Mm. Um, you might have other mm. commitments and personal things that you need to deal with. Mm. You know, and it just removes those those problems of having to ask for time out or can I come in later? Can I come in, you know, earlier? Whatever it might be. I remember working as um, leading operations and one of the things we were looking at, we, we, we had a 
scale up of some you know, numbers. And we were discussing with scheduling around potentially, and HR, potentially looking at split shifts. Um, and then when we went out to the team, again, part of the issue was, why do I want to come in, work for a bit, then go home and then turn around and come back? It doesn't actually give me any any benefit. But I guess that flexibility of shift, if you're a home worker, is far more accessible. Absolutely. You know, in our world, people work actually on 30-minute increment slots. So a shift can range from you know two hours to, to four hours or, or the whole day with breaks in between, whatever it is. Um, but just by someone being at home, it's a lot easier, to, as you can imagine, to go next door, turn the computer on and get settled at work than have to commute, whether it's 45 minutes, it's still a hassle and an inconvenience to go to the office and back again. So yeah, it's home working to me is a huge benefit in terms of from a people person perspective, breaking down those barriers, removing them completely. And I guess if people are maybe struggling with recruitment yep. because they only have a, a limited reach yep. geographically, then home working is another option for them to go, you know what, let's let's expand this because, and maybe talk me through that, let's say uh, we're here in London today, um, we were opening in a contact centre and we wanted to work with home workers in, in Scotland. Mm-hmm. How would you walk someone through the the process? What would you say to them that they need to... Yeah, absolutely. So, so I would say, firstly, we can target specific areas if that's what's the requirement. But the benefit of the homeworking is that it's geographically free. So you wouldn't really target a particular area. You just go out generally to the whole of the UK yeah. because the whole point of, of homeworking is that you can scale. There's no limits. And like you talk about that geographic location, sort of, you know, you have to be within an hour of the contact centre, which is fairly standard to remove that barrier you open up the whole world in terms of quality of people that you can attract and the people that you're attracting are favorable to it as well because in essence they get the the no commute you know they might want to work for a huge brand name but they know they're four hours away from that brand name for example you know and also the same is true of people that are with an organization then have to leave that organization partners take a different job whatever it might be and they move away from the area and therefore they would rather stay if they could but you know, those opportunities then become available to them again. Are you finding, I'm interested in this whole concept of technically everything is virtual. Are you finding though that the people that are now coming to be home workers are quite comfortable with that? Yeah, I, th- I think what helps with people becoming comfortable with home working is that from the moment they interact um, to take the job or apply for a job, the whole process is virtual. So by the time you get to BAU and operations, it's second nature. You know, they've done potentially whatever it might be, four to nine weeks worth of virtual training. So to go into a live operation virtually is not a huge step. I think that's key. How, what are the kind of... Um, so I can, if, we're, if we're looking at those, the, these people are going to be more engaged, they've got more flexibility, mm-hmm. they're potentially in work where... Th- they might have not have had anything suitable because of where they are or yep. their personal situation. So they're really engaged. What about the management of those um, people, for, especially managers who haven't managed remotely um, before? And I can remember being involved in a pilot scheme and trying to explain to some of my managers, because we were quite a large operation, they didn't always physically see their agents. Yep. They might have been sat at their desk looking at their statuses and seeing what status they're yep. in 
and certainly managing them that way through through the screen or through live chat or or internal chat, whatever it may be, and just trying to ask them to make that leap of faith intellectually to say managing your home workers would be the same. Yep. I, th- I think that's the key part, that there shouldn't be any difference in terms of how you manage the operation, whether it's in a contact centre or whether it's virtually. You know, there's so many tools available now in terms of how to host a one-to-one or how to hold a buzz session. You know, we use webcams, we use video recording, um, we use naturally text chat boxes and all that sort of stuff. But I think the old saying of you can't manage what you can't see and that sort of stuff is, is completely redundant in terms of, yes, you do manage by measures in terms of status codes and you know historic and real time, absolutely. Mm. But also you still have the face-to-face interaction, but it's just virtual. Mm. It, it's a very different world compared to what it was you know, 10 years ago. So when um, companies are approaching you and saying, we're thinking of doing it, what are the common concern questions that people will be firing at you? From an operations perspective, how do you manage those people? How do you know they're not doing? How do you know they're doing what they're supposed to be doing at that moment in time? And it's no different. You, you're mm. looking at stats. You're looking at historical reporting. You're watching wallboards, and then also you're watching, you know, live virtual floors where people are asking questions. They are engaging. It stacks up with the stats that you're being displayed on the wallboard as well. Um, but then, one of the big concerns, I suppose, with home working is isolation. Mm. and that side of things and you know how, how do you make sure that you break down that barrier to me that's a key barrier to break down in terms of managing people because you want them to feel that they are supported you want them to know they're supported there is a voice there they can have that interaction if they want it now don't get me wrong some people join homeworking because you know, potentially they don't want to go into the office they don't want to see anyone yeah. you know, they just want to come in do their job and leave they do yeah. a great job and that's fine but we also need to make sure that we're offering that support as a duty of care you know people in rural locations potentially might not see another person face to face potentially and they like that that's why they want to live out on their farm or whatever that's fine but we also need to check you know from a health and safety perspective there's a duty of care have they got the right tools to work virtually Um, we need to make sure that they're engaged we need to make sure they're getting feedback we have to make sure that they're allowed to give feedback Mm. you know so we can adapt on that uh, react to that sorry and that they know from a line management perspective with their team leader or service delivery manager, whoever that is, that they, they have got everything in a single source hub where they should feel no different in terms of engagement. And then we open up doors so they can engage with their peers and their colleagues, you know, in social arenas as well. You know, at Sonsei we hold social virtual nights, you know, we do virtual bingo or virtual quiz nights or virtual movie nights. And it's an opportunity to create that buzz and that engagement mm. you would get in a contact centre where everyone goes for a drink potentially mm. after work or mm. you know I know you've just done your three peaks challenge that sort yeah. of stuff you know we hold Macmillan cafe mornings and things like that virtually there's no reason why whatever you do in the contact centre it can't be done virtually Yeah, it's just understanding the tools and make sure you've got the best possible tools to facilitate that session and when you talk then just about and forgive me if this is a basic question but you talk then about it, ensuring that the home workers had the right tools, and I'm, I'm assuming like kit, mm-hmm. what is that? What are the minimum sort of requirements? It, it depends completely, I suppose, in, in terms of which organisation is embracing homeworking. So as an as a outsourcer, although I don't like, really like the word outsourcer, but as a partner with clients, it's, it's, up to, it's up to us to determine a minimum spec in terms of PC. You know, there's certain rules and regulations that we adhere to, such as not having, you know, Wi-Fi connection. There's got to be a wire connection. You know, just from an inf- info security perspective, and there's a whole 
probably podcast around InfoSec that I can imagine that probably someone way more advanced can deal with than me. But there's certain things that we need to check, such as, you know, the chair, the desk, the keyboard, the screens, you know, even down to the fact that there is a potential risk working from home that is your PC facing a a window that anyone could see through? Mm. You know, that sort of considerations need to be taken into account, which we do. But it's just building, like I talk about evolving as a cycle, it's understanding that needs to be considered, this needs to be checked, this needs to be mitigated, and what can be done. But it's working with your client to understand what the appetite is for certain risks. And is that as simple as, not as simple, but you've evolved this over time, I guess, that um, if I'm a potential home worker, I'm telling you the kit that I've got, but do you do, you do a virtual you tour? Or yeah, that's exactly what we do. So um, as part of, a, um, as part of a, a kit check, everyone needs to have a, a freestanding webcam mm. so that they can put it around the room. You yeah. can see where the doors are. You can see the windows. First of all, you, you know, you're checking also, have they got heating? Have, yeah. you know, is it a rat's nest of wires under the desk yeah. that's a, a trip hazard? You know, all that sort of check needs to be completed. But up front, as part of that, the webcam's important for the recruitment side of things and for the mm. training side. Mm. You know, you need to validate the person that's taking your potential, you know, psychometric test is the same person that's doing the interview, that's the same person that's starting training, that's the yeah. same person that's starting in BAU operations. And so webcam, you ca- I can't explain how important that is as a tool. It's a very basic tool, but it's a very important tool for us to use. And I guess if I'm, as I'm entering into this kind of recruitment journey, it's set, it's set out very clearly mm-hmm. that the nature of the working environment, my home that I'm going to be in, is going to be scrutinised to some extent. Absolutely. As part of recruitment, you know, comparing it to a contact centre side of things, in a contact centre you're employing someone based on skills and expertise, which is as expected and normal, anyone mm-hmm. would expect that. Whereas mm-hmm. in a virtual world, you have an added on that you're recruiting a home office as well, mm. and that needs to be fit for purpose. Does that exclude people like um, maybe transit uh, students or P- potentially? It, it it depends. In our world, it's making sure that we have agents that have dual dual offices. So, for example, they might spend half their week um, in, in a flat in, in a city centre, and then they might spend a week. I don't know, with family and children Mm. or caring or whatever it might be, somewhere else. As long as the health and safety checks have been completed appropriately and the IT guys are happy with the machines that are being used in both locations, then that's fine. Yeah, that shouldn't limit anyone. And when you sort of, you you talked about um, psychometric um, testing, I'm really interested in what are the kind of characteristics um, that somebody, you would want somebody to be able to evidence that lends itself then for them being really good at um, homeworking because like you say there's different challenges yeah absolutely I think client to client is different you know in terms of what you're looking for depending on who you're working for or with Um, whether it's a healthcare provider you have to have that sort of empathy and that sensitivity as you'd expect whereas if you boil it down just to homeworking aspects you want someone that is potentially can use their initiative someone that's proactive in terms of if they have an IT issue to fix that IT issue Um, potentially resilient um, and also able to ask questions and and um, happy to engage mm. to make sure that they got the support that they need or they're, they're happy to put their hand up and say if they need support. Because in essence, you can't see it virtually if someone's just sitting there upset. You you are reliant on them in some respects to tell you that they need support or some help or whatever it might be. And that we've got tools to capture that as well. You know, engagement 
engagement-ometers and things like that to see how often people are clicking and typing and checking. But we also do a lot of work on tone of voice to understand, you know, and that's written and verbal. If someone's writing something, that's different to how they normally write it. Mm. Is there something wrong? Do we need to have a quick chat? Oh, I see. Okay, so you have that kind of yardstick of this is what... Yeah. Martin, for example, is normally like, yeah, have I, got, is this an early warning system? Absolutely. If I see you're usually, you know, really bubbly and, and chatting in the in the social chat side of things, and then you go quiet for a few days, or you know, you don't really want to engage or don't want to do anything, then actually that to me is an indicator that we need to probably pick up and have a chat. We also use surveys as a weekly survey for agents to see how they are in terms of you know their shift patterns, um, how the line management support's been, how the live management support's been. I think that's a big thing in the virtual world. Management of agents is very different. So in the contact centre, you sort of roll it all into one, live and line management. It's the same sort of thing, you know, floor walkers, mm. team leaders. Yeah. Whereas in the virtual world, we have live management and line management. Live management is very much, as you'd expect, chat moderation, checking escalations, real-time adherence checking, that side of things. Knowledge checks where people might want to exactly. escalate a question. Whereas in the contact centre there might be a method for them to beckon yeah. or whatever, then you have the same... Absolutely. Uh, and then on the line side of things, it's as you expect team, you know, team huddles, one-to-ones, QA marking and calibration that, you know, um, mm. that Helen's talked about previously yeah. as well as Joe. And then I think the key, the key thing on the live management side of things is as part of homeworking is very um, inclusive everything, virtual homeworking is very inclusive when you have to raise a question because everyone gets to see the answer you know in the contact center you put up your hand floor walker comes over gives you the answer and it's just you that gets that answer Mm. no one else benefits from that unless they put their hand up and Mm. so and so has a chat in the canteen and say oh yeah Mm. so and so said this what's in the virtual world everything's written down Mm. so not only is it great because it shares knowledge which is fantastic as you'd expect in the contact center but also everything can be recorded Mm. And so you can understand and analyse why is Joe Bloggs asking the same question four times in the same day? You know, what, that's a, that's a conversation that probably the team leader needs to pick up and talk through. Or they either not got it or there's a gap in knowledge there. But actually, everyone else can benefit from those sort of questions that are being asked. And do you have um, do you have uh, certain industries that have maybe adopted things quicker mm-hmm. and others that are that you've only just seen started to come into um, embrace homeworking um, in terms of I would say I would say in terms of the skills and the services that different clients are are recruiting for it's usually the more complex types of service that are being dealt with um, work better from a virtual perspective and that's because of the clientele that you're recruiting, in essence. Lots of people join the contact centre, as you know, many of the people on the previous podcast mentioned, they fell into it. Mm. They started there as an agent at a university, whatever it might be. That's because there's a, there's a buzz there and it's mm. a teamy thing and everyone mm. likes to go out for a drink on a Friday and that's great. Whereas you know, what we're looking for is potentially a different type of individual. Mm. You know, someone that is happy, they might have mm. a, you know, a bit more experience in the bank. And so happy just to come into work and do their job. But as a result, they've got a, life, a lot of life experience. Mm. You know, they understand about you know, whether it's home insurance or car insurance or healthcare or all that sort of stuff. Because they've got policies, they've got, policy, uh, they've got insurance policies and that side of stuff. Um, and so understand and can relate to a customer when they're having that conversation. And you get a much better quality conversation when you know what someone else is talking about, all the frustrations they might have. Mm. You know, the bill goes up 30% and what that means to them. 
and it just helps facilitate the best possible conversation. And I guess, just thinking about this, if the if the environment is right, if the homeworking environment is right, um, it would be fascinating to see a study versus of kind of attention to detail and if because you're and naturally you're going to be it's a quieter environment. Um, you Absolutely. know, you're focused, and also, I guess that interaction with your customer is is something that you might be more into, as it were, mm-hmm. because it's an interaction with somebody else, and there's less distraction. Yeah, in essence, you know, I don't know, I don't know how much it changed. You know, but I remember in a contact centre I've been to many years ago. You know, they're throwing, you know, stress balls over each other and that sort of stuff, and certain things. Whereas when you're at home, it's just you and the customer. You can have that proper, dedicated, you know, conversation without any distractions, and it's going to lead to a better quality, quality call. In essence, you know, no one, they're not struggling to hear the person at the end of the phone. You know, it's it's a good it's a good thing. Random things are just coming into my head. So sorry about this, but if so, just on that, do you, as part of that initial setup, do, what about things like pets and? Yes. So you on, so, on, you're on the you on the phone dealing, or you're on a chat with a customer, yep. and the dog bursts in. Do you? Is that part of the um, setup questionnaire and things? Yeah, like that? absolutely, it is like probably more than you probably even can fathom at the start. So you know, we I have to be honest. We've had many things, you know, from parrots in the background talking, and <laughs> no you know, way, really? dogs and babies, and but it's but this is part of the work life balance and understanding that. So absolutely, when we recruit someone, we recruit their home as well as them. And their home, you know, there's certain expectations that are laid up front very clearly in terms of when you're at work, you're at work. And as a result, kids shouldn't be busting through the doors. Mm. Absolutely not. That door should be, you know, should be shut and potentially locked as well, depending on what the client's requirements are. But noise, traffic, all those certain things, Mm. you know, need to be considered. (laughs) It's only once that's ever happened many years ago. But yeah, but as a result, we, you know, you have to... uh, have to evolve and, mm. and the employee handbook has to take that into consideration mm. you know dogs is a, is a common one it's hard to stop mm. a dog barking but you know we like to encourage best practice with agents so they'll potentially put something on the front door to say don't ring the doorbell please because yeah. I'm at work and yeah. I can't be distracted leave it in the porch or whatever it might be yeah. but there's little mitigations to all the sort of everyday problems that you might experience yes you know, we've all had it when we're on a conference call and the doorbell goes or <laughs> someone shouts out do you want a cup of tea <laughs> yeah <laughs> not appropriate right now yeah yeah that often gets thrown at me, actually. That I always see whenever I want, we're on our leadership um, video conferences, I always seem to get a delivery. <laughs> I think they think I'm running some other business. Um, what about we? We've sort of touched on um, how people can get into doing this and the considerations for um, both recruitment and operationally managing them. What are the benefits that people can see? Companies can see from exploring this other avenue. Um, of delivering their service yeah absolutely I, I think that it depends on where that client is or that company is at that moment in time they might be looking at homeworking for the motivation of scale for example they might be looking at job satisfaction attrition is a big one you know people do get fed up with commuting um, and also there's there's competition out there for contact center staff mm. you know especially when you look at the big cities you know Manchester Liverpool that sort of stuff there's a lot of contact centers there mm. And we get, you know, you, you do see almost like, I'm putting inverted brackets, like professional trainers. They'll join somewhere, do six weeks, then they'll mm. move on to the next place, you know, for 20p more. Mm. And, and But what we need to try and do, and this is where homeworking is key, is to motivate someone to stay loyal 
is by helping with the job satisfaction of no commute, you don't have to spend that money on the train or the bus or whatever it might be. You get an extra two hours to your day that you wouldn't have had previously. You know, but it's also being up front of, it's not, you know, there's not a Mickey Mouse outfit. You, you know, you're expected to be, you know, mm. at your desk as expected, ready for work, mm. and potentially webcam could be on straight away. Mm. So I expect you to be sitting there looking smart, mm. you know. Uh, and I think other benefits for, for clients in terms of, you know, inclusion and corporate social responsibility and all that stuff is, is there, but it's, it's about productivity as well in essence. Mm. Someone's motivated to, to work from home because they don't have the commute. They're going to do a better job for you because mm. they're happier in that job. You know, that, that to me is key. I think other things around um, the scalability go to that question. You know, if you, op- if you didn't have a one-hour commute you know, from your contact centre, you could recruit anyone in the UK, quality is naturally going to increase. So those, those, the workforce that get it, you see higher employee engagement and then that washes over into operational performance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And how about things like do you ever have you ever looked at compa- comparisons around um, efficiencies and schedule adherence? Because again, I'm thinking of some mm-hmm. of the probably the when people engage with you, some of the concerns that they express is how do you know? Do these people turn up? Are they are they going to be logging on at the same time? Because yeah. I can't see them. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, in, in our world, every everything is measured because it's the best way to manage. So we know if someone's supposed to be on a shift, as you would in the contact centre, but first of all, you can see that they're there in the virtual system, and we, we say that they need to be there 10, 15 minutes before their shift starts, as you'd expect normally. Um, but then... Oh, okay, so what, their shift starts at nine, but you would ask them to enter the virtual system at quarter two? Yeah. So you can see that they're... Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, and we do certain things that you, that you can't even do in the contact centre. So we might pump out music, you know, in a, in a virtual environment to G everyone up, get them ready for the day ahead. You know, we might bring the team leader or the service delivery manager onto webcam for the 50, 60 agents on that account at that moment in time to tell them any updates mm. as a, you know, a town hall meeting that you do in the contact centre. It's the economies of scale by, do, by using technology are huge. Mm. Everyone hears the same message rather than you know, potential Chinese whispers or adaptations of certain messages. There's a consistency and a continuity. And you mentioned, you mentioned this earlier and I'm, I'm kind of similar to you. I, don't, I wouldn't profess to know enough about... Um, the subject of things like GDPR and data protection and information security, it, that naturally has got to be a key area for um, for homeworking and specific, and for you guys. Is it is it predominantly through the technology that 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 people are reassured that that is all? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I, c- I can't go into too much of that detail because yeah. I'm not an expert in that side of things at all. But in in essence, the technology is the way that you stop any of those problems happening. Mm. You know, there's lots of things that we do up front from the moment we on, we engage with an applicant in terms of making sure that their PC doesn't change throughout the process. There's mm. alerts to us mm. if that is the case. What they can access in terms of whitelists or blacklists mm. um, is absolutely critical. And then in terms of GDPR and best practice, we adopt what the client does. Mm. So in essence, there should be no difference from that side of things. Mm. You know, clear desk policies, no mobile phones, as you'd expect, that sort of things. And that kind of, again, that's through also the live management and line management that people are monitoring that kind of... Absolutely. Technology is amazing. I mean, in terms of, you know, a few years ago, we used to have what we call a print screen monitor. So for example, if an agent clicked the print screen button on their keyboard, that would flash up as an alert to the team leader 
not just to tell them that had happened, but also to show them what they've taken a picture of. Mm. It's amazing. Mm. Now, there's valid reasons why print screen might be used in certain operations, and so it's about managing that properly, but then that also reassures the agent that they are being managed, they mm. are being monitored, and they mm. are being checked upon. Whilst now it's, you know, we've evolved further, you know, print screen's not actually an option in many cases at all, um, and that can be locked down. Uh, and in essence, you know, different profiles can be set up. So because in our world, people bring their own device, they bring their own computer as part of a scalable operation, you know, they have a work profile which is dedicated to work. So it's locked down mm. as, as per agreements with the client, signed mm. off by InfoSec and everyone else. And then they have a personal. Mm. And in that personal, they can do whatever they want. It's yeah, their computer. Yeah. It's, not, it's not in our, yeah. our interest to monitor that. That's their responsibility. But even there, I guess, you're realising cost savings just through equipment, through use of your building. All that's that kind of that's the, like, the, you know, the, the main barrier, like I said, about complexity is how... How virtual do you want to make the operation is key. You can mm. have semi-homeworking, mm. right, where they might come into the contact centre for two days and then go home for three days. Mm. But to me, you're still then recruiting within that pool because they've still yeah. got to come into the contact centre. Yeah. You could say, okay, you're based from home, but we'll give you all the, all the tech and all the equipment. But then if it goes wrong, it's your tech and equipment. You still have to come back in mm. or you have to send someone out. There's a lot mm. of costs associated to that. Whereas to be completely virtual, you know, people should be able to use their own PCs, their own desk, chairs, everything else, providing it's within the right spec that's been agreed. And then in essence, it's in their motivation to fix it if, if it goes wrong. Uh, and the, the anagram that we, sorry, anagram, the analogy we use is that very much like you get in your car and drive to work, to us, your PCs, your vehicle, mm. you know, but the internet is the juice, the, mm. you know, is the diesel mm. you put into the car. And so it's your responsibility to make sure you've got an internet connection that's stable, that is the right speed, that can handle everything. And it's your PC. So if it breaks, it's your responsibility to fix. And it's the fairest way to deal with it. With the speed with which technology is, is, is evolving, and I'm just thinking, do you think at some point in the future, maybe even near future, that people would be able to be home workers using an iPad, noise-cancelling, wireless headphones, and then technically they could be doing that anywhere? Yeah, I, I think it, it depends on the appetite with the client in terms of what they want to do. My personal opinion is certain things could probably be um, facilitated easier. It depends on the demand you're dealing with. Yeah. Voice chat would be very different you know, mm. to social media. Mm. Well, social media, I can imagine, actually, it's probably you know, very helpful on an iPad yeah. dealing with that. But it, it depends on InfoSec and what's agreed mm. with those guys. And the nature of the business, I and, guess. And the nature of the yeah. business, absolutely. It depends. Yeah. You know, we deal with retail clients that are... You know, um, a little bit more not regulated yeah exactly it's, yeah. it's a little bit more relaxed in that in that thing whereas when you deal with a general insurer of course it's going to be more regulated mm. it's going to be a little more lockdowns there's going to be more checks yeah and in that feedback. example I've given that's probably far too risky isn't it oh well, yeah. yeah I mean I've never seen it so <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't, I've never seen it no okay so let's say we, there's people listening and they maybe are looking at their own operation where that's going and what their requirements are and they're thinking it would be good, but we're too small. Or it would be good, but we're too big. Do you get those kind of... Um... I, d I don't think you could be too small or too big, to be honest. I think there's benefits for both sides of things. If, you, if, you're, if you're too big, then in essence, you, you know, you've got a lot of people there, which in essence means you're potentially accepting more people in and the barriers or the, or the, 
the levels to accept in terms of quality might be reduced to allow that many people. You know, if you're too small, I mean, I mean, why are you limiting yourself? You should definitely be home working. And what would you, um, some of the kind of things to be mindful of when considering exploring this as, a, as an option, what would be your, the key points that people need to, maybe that they haven't considered something that comes up later on and bites people in the bum? I th- yeah, I, th- I think there's many considerations. It, it depends on, like I talked about, evolution of, of that. It's the risk and the appetite. That, and I suppose doing a, an analysis to understand what, is, what are we trying to achieve? as an organisation, is it to reduce attrition by mm. making you know, better shift patterns for people and that side of things? Or are we, are we trying to up the quality side of things and therefore need to expand you know, who we can recruit? Mm. Um, or is it from a corporate social responsibility? You know, actually, do we have all these people coming in on buses that we put out every day mm. and that sort of stuff? Or is the building huge and the massive footprint that it leaves behind? What are we trying to achieve? Mm. Um, that will determine the sort of routes that you go down in terms of size, scale mm. and shape of, of the operation. I lo- and I, I just love the aspect and I hadn't considered it. I was looking at homeworking prior to coming in and um, catching up with you today and seeing how prevalent it is in the States, for example, you know, mm-hmm. thousands and hundreds of thousands of people yep. um, doing that. Some contact centres have just completely devolved everything to um, homeworkers. But the aspect that I hadn't considered that you mentioned right at the start, which I absolutely love is the ability to be more flexible with your workforce, who they are, how they work, when they work. Um, And I guess that also applies to um, people that have been on maternity or paternity. Mm -hmm. You don't want to lose the skill set. Absolutely. But maybe they they are less inclined to come back and do that commute. That, That is also... Opens yeah. up another avenue for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've seen it, you know, in partnership with clients where they've left the contact centre, like I explained previously, and because their partner's taken a job elsewhere, but actually they still want to work for, for that for that client. Whereas then, actually, what we do as a partnership is they come and speak to us and go, "We still want to keep this person, but they need to come to you mm. because we don't facilitate homeworking directly. We do mm. it through um, through outsourcing to us. So that, that that to me is a great way that you keep the skills in the business." You know, and it's a, it's a win-win for everyone in that respect. And I think as, as long as people, uh, in terms of management, as long as people can kind of, um, I guess, doing something like this forces you to be creative and look at how you can manage differently. Yeah. A- and but still benefit from all of the kind of inter-team esprit de corps and all that kind of yeah. the good stuff that a lot of people get you can still get that virtually absolutely you can yeah there's no there's no difference to it i mean it, it helps from the from the agent's perspective but also it helps from the from the business and the corporate perspective as well because in essence without the commutes and everything else then potentially shifts can be any anything you want providing you can you can work out what the best shifts are so you know typically in the contact center you might have an overlap of morning shift and afternoon shift and as a result you you're overstaffed in that middle of the day, mm. but the demand's not really there for that. But you need mm. people to have eight-hour shifts mm. to make it worthwhile coming into the office. Whereas if no one has to come into the office, people, you know, they might want to take an earlier morning lunch. They might want mm. to take a later lunch to start later, and you can start tailoring the resource to the demands mm. a lot to a lot more granular level mm. than what you can currently do in the contact centre. It's been great. This has been um, really interesting. Matt Burke from Sensei, thank you. 
very much. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you details um, on LinkedIn. I'm sure if people, you're, you're okay for yeah, people of course, to yeah, absolutely, reach out anytime. Contact you with with follow up questions because I think it's a it's a fascinating subject, and you guys are subject matter experts. And um, thanks for your time, and um, thank you very much. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Time to take this submarine back up. Oh, but it's tax season up there, Captain. You know, all that stressing over taxes isn't necessary with Tax Act. How did you get... April here. To remind you that with Tax Act, you're guaranteed your maximum refund while filing for less. Beats being submerged for another month. May hey, Captain? To your stations. We're headed home. Guess I should probably close that window I opened. What? Kidding. Tax Act. Switch to Tax Act today and start for free. See TaxAct.com for details.